Hey, let's open our Bibles, John chapter 3. We are marching right through the Gospel of John. Right through, we're, we're in uh, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Last week we talked about this very important, very, very important fact is that we must be what? Are you going to get into heaven if you're not born again? Are you going to see the kingdom of heaven? It's, it's like Jesus was saying this to Nicodemus, like this is a necessity. It's essential. You're not going to get into heaven. You're not going to see the kingdom of God or enter it unless you've been born again. Now, Nicodemus, he was talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a very good man, right? He was very religious. You'd think that would get you to, to heaven, right? Nicodemus, he was a good man. Let's get back started here. He was very religious, and you'd think being religious would be enough, right? But it really isn't enough. Just going to church, doing that thing, even the singing the songs, you know, saying the words, doing the, doing the church thing, it's not enough. But we've kind of been taught that, right? A lot of us have been taught that if you just do these certain things, you're, you're going to be good. But Nicodemus, he was... Not only was he religious, but he was a very important religious leader. He was like one of the top guys. Not only that, he was well off. He was wealthy. He had loads of cash. But none of that was enough. And he probably gave a lot of money, too. None of that is enough to get us in. None of that is going to get us there. Jesus said to him, to this man who came to him at nighttime, he said, you must be born again. And he, and he described it a little bit in that it's a supernatural, it's a spiritual birth. It's not a physical birth. It's a spiritual thing that must take place within our hearts if we're going to see and enter the kingdom of God. He, he gives us some explanation here. Let's read these verses in, in verses 14 and 15. Uh, we read them last week, but we're going to focus on these this week as we partake in communion today too. Verse 14, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who what believes in Him may have eternal life. So he gives us an answer to what he was telling Nicodemus, you must be born again. Well, how are you born again? How does that take place? Is there a special, you know, uh, kind of a, Formula? Is there some kind of a rite you need to go through? Is there some kind of you know, special three-step process? No, he says it here. He says it's all about Jesus and the Son of Man being lifted up and believing in Him. And that's how you and I enter into the kingdom of God. That's how we receive eternal life. Say, well, that's just too easy. That's right. Well, how else would we ever get there? Right? If he didn't make it so it was possible for every one of us, man, woman, and child, to have it, we, you know, what hope would there be if we all had to be like Nicodemus to get into the kingdom of heaven? He said, you must be born again. But then he says this, there's two musts, actually three in this chapter. We're going to look at the second one today. The Son of Man must be what? Lifted up. Lift up. The Son of Man must be lifted up. And he's talking about the cross here. Really, without the cross and without the resurrection, 
What do you and I have? What do you and I have? We have a, a good teacher. We have somebody that said things that we didn't understand, like you must be born again. But he, he, he went to the cross. He actually showed the way. He gave the way. And in fact, he says in John 14 that he is the way, right? So, so to make this life possible, to make eternal life possible, it says here that the Son of Man must be lifted up, right? We're going to look at that first part in a minute. But the second part of verse 14 says, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now, the, this, this idea of lifting up Jesus, I think I want to stop there for a second because I've thought about that through the years. I used to think, you know, you'd hear people, and, and we sang some songs about it today, you know, lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to lift you up. And I, and I thought about that, and that's, you know, then I thought, well, you know, but the, the real meaning is lifted up. The real meaning of that is to be put on a cross, lifted up on a cross. And I thought, so everybody else has it wrong when they're singing it like that. But then as I looked into it a little bit more, I realized that it really is both. It really is both. Jesus must be lifted up. He must be lifted up onto that cross, but he also must be lifted up and exalted. It has those, both of those two meanings, to lift him up to the cross, but also to exalt, to exalt him. Now in the Gospel of John chapter 12, it says, the, the first one for the cross, he says, when I am lifted up from the earth, he says, I will draw all men to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. So he explained it. John explains it for us that Jesus had to die. He must be lifted up. And this idea of being lifted up from the earth is the cross. He was going to die that way. But in, in Isaiah chapter 52, where you have in Isaiah 52 and 53, the suffering servant chapters, where it's prophesied that, that the Messiah would come, that he would suffer, that he would die for all of our sins, right? And, but in the beginning of that section, in the last part of, of chapter 52, it says this, See, my servant will be... He, it says he will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. So, so it's really, you know, these, these two things, the cross and also his exaltation, they, they're kind of like together. Now, they don't always happen. We can exalt the name of Jesus anytime we want to. And it's not always going to be about the cross, but certainly at the cross, he was exalted. He was lifted high because of who he is and because of what he did for you and for me. Through the cross, he is exalted. When I was thinking about this, the cross and, and that he must be lifted up, he must be exalted. I was thinking about that and, 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 and this idea of the cross Really, and I had this, this thought that the, the cross really kind of towers over all time and all people. Think about that for a second. The cross, it towers over all time and all people. Now, what the problem, of course, is that, that our pride thinks that we are above it. That's our pride. But it really, it towers over all time and all people. I, 
you know, I, I was thinking, and I've talked about this um, sometime in the past about Mount Soledad. Any of you remember that? Mount Soledad is a, is a cross on the hill in San Diego, where I grew up. And we would drive uh, from where we lived in Claremont down to like the beach area. And as you drove down there, you'd look up and on this very high hill, there was a white cross you could see. From far, far away, this white cross was up there. And, and through the years recently, the, really probably like two decades, people have been fighting to get that cross taken down, right? They didn't like it. It offended them. And so because the cross was actually situated on public land or land owned by the city, that was the way they were going to get it taken down, right? Well, guess what? It's still up there today. You know, here's a picture. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful area. Uh, that's Mission Bay in the back. And you can see downtown. If you look up in the haze, uh, it's probably smog, but it looks like haze. That's, that's downtown San Diego. And, and so behind and to the left of where we are would be the Pacific Ocean. It's just a beautiful, incredible spot. And, and you can see that from miles and miles and miles away. But when I was thinking about it, I, I, I just went online just to see, you know, you know, what had happened, what, what, what the latest was about the court cases and all that. And uh, I found this interesting article from 19, very small print, 1952. Uh, this was the uh, San Diego Union. And the, the title of the article is Wind Topples Famed Cross on Mount Soledad. And I did not know this. That was before I was born. But in March of 1952, it says that the winds blew down a cross in a public park. And the present concrete cross, this is a new one now, this was dedicated in 1954. A years-long battle, a, a challenge to the constitutionality of a Christian cross on public property ended in 2016 after the Mount Soledad Memorial Association bought the cross and the land beneath it for $1.4 million. So how they got around it was there was an organization who wanted that cross kept, and they bought the land, and so now it's no longer public land, so the cross is still there. But what interested me was I did not know that it actually had blown down back in 1952. It was, you know, not made out of concrete. It was made out of wood and, and other stuff, uh, like stucco and that kind of thing. But when I, when I saw the... Uh, the article, it kind of struck me because this is what they were able to say and what they did say back in 1952 in the newspaper, right? This is the newspaper. It says, the weather-scarred old cross atop Mount Soledad, symbol of the mystic beauty of the resurrection to so many, has been toppled by wind and shattered, perhaps beyond reasonable repair. Pitted with BB shot, launched at it by mischievous youngsters, and buffeted through the, through the years by the elements, and this is the line, listen to this, it was the oldest of its kind in San Diego, San Diego County to represent the spirit behind mankind's hope of eternity at Easter sunrise services. I mean, they weren't afraid to say it back in 1952. But, you know, 20 years ago, you know, things have radically changed. And, and uh, 
you know, there have, there have been court cases in other places where they have been successful, I should say, in removing these kinds of monuments. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter what you and I do, the cross still towers over all humanity for all time and for all people. That's incredible to me. That's incredible to me. So, back here in John chapter 3, verse 14, the first part of verse 14 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So, Jesus was referring back to something else. And you all know where that is, right? Because your Bibles all tell you, right? There's something in the margin that says what? Numbers 21. So, we're going to turn back there because it's kind of interesting Jesus refers back to the Old Testament many, many times. There's many times in the New Testament where they refer back to the Old Testament. That's why it's so important that we have the whole book. It, it all comes together. I heard uh, Ravi Zacharias on the way to church this morning. He was talking about the first words in the book of Genesis that, you know, God created the heavens and the earth and how People just look to those words to try to, if they can destroy those words, they think that they can destroy everything from there on out. But you know that they can't. You can try to stop the cross, but you can't. So let's read in Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. It's fascinating. They, that is the people, the children of Israel, excuse me, they had a little context here. They had just had a battle where they were victorious. And now it says they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. They just had a battle, but now they have to go around Edom. They're not too happy about that. But the people grew impatient, or some translations say discouraged on the way. And what did they do? They spoke against God and against Moses, and they said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. What's he talking about? What are they talking about? The manna. And then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. And anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and he put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? This is, ha- this is what happened to the people as they were in the wilderness. See, you can read it over and over again where they, where they become grumbling, complaining, murmuring against God, against you know, what God had set up. But I like what John Corson says about this passage. He says this, As the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and that was their own fault, by the way, They grew tired of the manna God had provided for them. No doubt they prepared it every way possible. Bamana splits, 
banana bread, manicotti. But finally they said, man alive. We're tired of this. And poisonous snakes began to smite them as they complained and they grumbled and murmured. And they began to die by the thousands. They began to die by the thousands. Whose fault was that? He say, well, God did it. Yeah, but whose fault was it? It was total rebellion. They finally came to Moses, as we just read here. They said, we sinned. They, they had a, a change of heart. Of course, wouldn't you? If, you know, you're getting bit by snakes and dying. And they say, we sinned. We sinned. There's, a, of course, a, a template there for you and I. What do we do? We come to the Lord and we, we go directly to Jesus and say, we sinned. We blew it. He says, we sinned against the Lord and against you. Pray for us. And then Moses does pray. And the Lord directs him to make this snake and put it up on a pole. So that anyone who had been bitten could just what? Look at it and live. That's all they had to do was look at it and live. But would they? Is it a guarantee that they all would? I don't think so. Again, we get back to this idea of we make our own choices. We, we you, know, you know, why would I look up at a... You know, the snakes are what are biting me, killing me. Why would I look up to a pole with a snake on it? It makes no sense, right? It, it doesn't compute in my engineering mind, right? But that's what God said to do. He said, put the snake up on a pole, and whoever would look at it, that's all they had to do was look at it and live. But would they do it, or would they scoff, and would they complain, and would they murmur? I think probably some did. But is it any different? Again, Jesus said, just as Moses, right? Just as this example we just read, just as that was true, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. But, but isn't the attitude the same today? I mean, we talked about Mount Soledad. People, Warren Wearsby said this, people today scoff at the cross while they, while they try to kill the snakes and manufacture new anti-snake remedies. Yet every remedy has failed, and people are still dying in sin. And the only answer is the cross of Jesus Christ, the uplifted Savior. There is no other remedy. There's no other answers. No, you know, you can't, you know, try to get all the self-help books that you can in this society. I'm going I'm to make myself, I'm going to remake myself. I'll get there. God's going to have to let me in, you know, and all the jokes where St. Peter's at the gate and all that, you know, he's going to have to let me in when I tell him everything that I've done and all the books I've read and all the good stuff, I, all the money I gave and all how religious I was. And Sorry. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He says, look up and live. It was a stumbling block then. It's a stumbling block now. Look up and live. That's what he said. Why do we have such a problem with it? 
Why do we have such a problem with it? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, he said, but we preach Christ crucified. And notice what he said, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. So you have these two groups of people, the Jews and the, and the non-Jews, the Jews and the Greeks or the Gentiles. And, and to the Jew, this Christ crucified, it's a stumbling block. Why? Because they wanted Messiah to come and take over. That's what they wanted. They wanted Messiah to come and, and take them out of the bondage of the Roman Empire. This isn't the way. We wanted somebody to come with power. This is what we want. We want power. And the Gentiles, they, they said, this is foolishness. Of course, they would sit around, you know, having these, you know, philosophy sessions, and they'd go through all the different, you know, ideas, and they'd sit around talking about all these different ideas. Is it any different today? All the different philosophies that are out there today? So they look at the cross and they say, that's foolishness. Why would I believe in something? That's foolishness. The cross, a, cro a man on a cross, like what? But Paul finishes by saying this. He says, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's what the cross is. It is the very power of God. It's the very wisdom of God, the cross. You know, I was thinking about the snakes, you know. Let's turn back to John chapter 3. I mean, I don't like snakes. I've never liked snakes. You know, you see this little snake like this, you know, squirming around in the yard. It's like, ah, like he's going to do something, right? He's going to hurt me. But the truth of the matter is that, that you and I, every one of us, we've all been bitten already. We've all been bitten already. And there's only one remedy. There's only one snake bite venom, you know, anti-venom, and it's Jesus Christ, the blood of, blood of Christ shed for our sins upon that cross 2,000 years ago. What do you say there? The Son of Man must be lifted up. You know, when Jesus was, was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember the picture, right? This is before the cross. He goes to this garden, and he, and he brings his disciples, and, he, and he's going to pray right in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, of course, we know that his disciples, they got sleepy, and they fell asleep in that. In that. But, but these are some of the words that he said. Listen to this. He said, it says, going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed. He said, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. A little bit later, it says he went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Jesus wasn't necessarily looking forward to the cross. Because he, he was human. He had a human body. 
He was fully God, but he was fully human too. And he knew what that was going to cost. Not just the cross itself, but taking all the sin of all mankind upon himself. He, he sensed, he knew what that meant. But notice in his prayers, he says to the Father, he says, Father, is there, basically, is there any other way we can do this? If it's possible, if there's any other way that we can do this, you know, get this cup taken away from me. And then he says that, you know, in the opposite, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. What does that tell us? There was no other way. If it's possible that this cup would be taken away, he said, but there is no other way in God's plan and God's will and God's love, as we're going to see in the very next verse uh, next week, John 3, 16, there was no other way except through the cross, the cup, this cup of suffering. Hebrews chapter 9 says this, speaking in, in the book of Hebrews, again, written to the Jewish nation, right? The Jewish people. So it had a lot of references to Old Testament, a lot of references to uh, the sacrifices in the Old Testament. It says this, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And you look back to the sacrifices of the Old Testament, they were, it was blood. But listen what he says, the writer to the Hebrews, he says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. There was no other way without the shedding of blood. Back in the book of Leviticus, let me read to you from Leviticus 17.11. He says this, which kind of explains a little bit about what is written in Hebrews. He says, for the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. It's the blood. Later in Hebrews, he says this. He entered, that is Jesus, entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. He entered by his own blood. See, they couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. And only one person could do it, the high priest. And, and only with blood. Only with blood. And it was only once a year that he could go in there. But here it says that he entered, Jesus entered, once for all, once for all people, once for all time, by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. This is the cross. This is what we're talking about here. This is what Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 3. The Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. This is the cross. This is our only hope. That we would look to Him. That that's the way in. That's, that's our hope. Look and live. But... It requires us to humble ourselves, doesn't it? To look up. Not think that we're looking down upon the cross, but to look up to the cross. 
where our sin, the judgment for our sin was. Jesus said this in John chapter 6. He said, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I'll raise Him up at the last day. Everyone who what? Looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 45. It says this, Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. This verse, there was a, a young man who, because of a snowstorm uh, in England, was not able to get to his regular church. He went to this little country church. It was close by where he lived. He went in there and there was a guy in there filling in for the pastor. And he really didn't know very much about, you know, how to... Uh, bring a message, but he was speaking on this, these words, look to me and be saved. And, and, he, and he, for some reason, he looked at this young man and he, and he kind of pointed him out. I guess maybe there was maybe only a few people there. But you know what? That young man, he looked up to the Lord Jesus Christ and he was saved. He was radically saved. That's all he had to do. He tells the story himself, and his name was Charles Spurgeon. Look up and live. Look and live. Exalt him and what he did and what he's done for us. He is our only hope. He is our only hope. We're going to have communion now, as we do, about once a month, and we're, we're going to have the ushers come in just one second and pass these uh, symbols, really, they're symbols, the symbol of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that without it, we have nothing. What hope do we have without the cross of our Savior, Jesus Christ? We have really nothing. That he was died, that he was crucified, that, that he was buried, that he was resurrected from the dead. Let's pray before we pass these out. I just want to take a moment and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that as we'll see next week, you loved us so much. You sent your only begotten son that he would be lifted up from the earth, that he would draw us to himself and all that we would have to do would, would be to look up and live. We've been bitten. We all have the, the sickness. We have the disease. It's called sin. But the only remedy is the blood of Jesus Christ who washes away our sin. Lord, we come now and we, we humble ourselves. We quiet our hearts before you. Hear our hearts, Lord, as we look up to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.